Welcome to Direct-to-Video, a podcast where we review poor sequels to great movies. So this is the inaugural episode. Yes, this is going to be a lot of feeling around what, what to do. Yes. Uh, I th- I mean, I think, I think the name we landed on is definitely Direct-to-Video. Direct-to-Video, working title, VHS question mark. VHS question mark? VHS? Direct to video, <laughs> VHS. My question is: Is the is is it direct to the number two video? No, God, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. That would be a little it's too never, much. It's never a number. All right, direct T O video. It's it's direct to video, but the E is a three backwards. Oh, it is not. Why? <laughs> for what point? <laughs> so that people could know it's the it's the third one. I think of the I think of the uh, movies we're going to be watching. Only like two of them could possibly be the th- wait three of them could possibly be the third ones of something. Four, cause Cinderella. Actually, never mind. You know what? It could work. Very few Disney direct-to-video movies made it to a sequel to the sequel, mostly because a lot of sequels are already scraping the bottom of the barrel to what what stories you could do. Yes, and I would argue that The Lion King 2 is one of them. Wow, and I would would say of the barrel scrapers, it is by far the the best one. That being said, that's not saying much. Okay, all right, interesting. Being the top of the bottom... Being the top of the bottom. So, starting from the beginning, I think we should introduce who each of us are. Yes. I am Tony Robusto. I am your host, and this is some asshole. Wow. I'm some asshole. I prefer (laughs) to go by Andy. Andy Reyes. I'm your resident Disney apologist. (laughs) I feel like that's what this is going to be. It's just me. We are both very into Disney movies, I would say. And... We both had the idea that maybe we would just like to hate them from now on. I mean, I I would like to love them. I would like to love them. Yeah, I'm going to start with a little bit of setup, and then we can go into hating The Lion King yeah, 2, no, go or in it. my case, liking it. Absolutely. So, okay, The Lion yeah, King sure. originally released in 1994, mm-hmm. and it won awards. It was the top of the box office in 1994. I think it won an Academy Award of some sort for best musical number in a film or something ridiculous like that. I'm not fact-checking any of this. Okay. I mean, we could just pull up Wikipedia, but all right. No, who cares? I have stuff written (laughs) down here. Some genius at Disney realized, hey, you know what we could do is we could make cheap sequels to our famous movies, pump them out on VHS, and make a ton of money because we would be spending like zero money on these compared to our big movies. Mm-hmm. So the first one of these projects was The Lion King 2. Well, back up. The first one of these projects was Return of Jafar. Oh, shit, it was. Because I did do my research. Oh, my God. And we will talk about Return of Jafar at some point. You know what? I keep forgetting that Aladdin is a part of this era of Disney. Because I keep forgetting about That's Aladdin. That's so shocking to me. Because Aladdin was a big part of, you know, my thoughts on Disney growing up. And also, it was a big movie, I feel like. Didn't they come out right after each other, like Aladdin and Pocahontas and The Lion King? Yeah, those are all the same kind of era. Oh, and The, and the Little Mermaid. And of the four of those, only one of them is super racist. It's Pocahontas. Pocahontas is super racist. I'm shrugging. I don't know. It, Disney Disney has its like ups and downs when it comes to representation in film. That's a generous way of looking at it, and it's not it's not a wrong way though. I I actually saw Song of the South. Have you ever seen Song of the South? I I think we talked about this before. I saw I saw it yes, and it I was surprised at how not racist it was. It's it's not very racist at all. But anyway, you were giving us a uh, background. So The Lion King Two was based on a script for a theatrical release sequel that was com- that was canned. It was completely canned. The script and the storyboards that were developed were given to an animation studio in Sydney, Australia, who shot out the movie in like I think a year. Yeah, way to go, Australia! It was bought left and right. People loved it. I bought one. So did my family. I had like Kovu sweatpants. It is by far of all of the directed Disney video sequels the most liked really more than 101 dalmatians 2 102 dalmatians was not as well received no it 
That won some kind of award. That's why I think of it. I think it won like like best animated picture or something. Something big. 102 Dalmatians? 101 Dalmatians 2, which is a different movie than 102 Dalmatians. 102 Dalmatians was the... Is the live action one. Is yeah. the live action one, yeah. It's such a better title too. It is a better title. It's a much better title. It's less complicated. Yeah, like Roger Ebert gave a review about it and he was like... I thought it was fine. It's a good sequel. I'm glad it wasn't released in theaters because the music isn't as strong. The music is bad in that movie. We are going to get into talks about those songs and how... Oh my god. We're gonna, we'll get to that later. Okay, okay. No, we'll get to <laughs> We'll get to it now. We'll start right now. So, uh, let me just give a quick recap, quick recap <laughs> of the first movie because we both went and we watched it. It is Hamlet with lions and that's all you need to know except that instead of dying simba wins and it has fucking jeremy irons in it so that's rad it has jeremy irons um singing for about two seconds and then it has jim cummings singing for the rest of that amazing song it is a great song that's uh, that is literally one of my favorite songs just period so the lion king 2 opens up really oddly it it like completely re redoes the ending of the first lion king well, not only that, oh gosh, what's that? I wrote it down somewhere. What's the name of that? He Lives in You. Yes, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah, it's got He Lives in You, but the way the animals move, they are moving like in tune with the song. And in the first movie, they were moving like animals and the song was just happening around them. And that was so much stronger. And it just, it makes it immediately more cartoony in like a Looney Tunes kind of way, you know? I like He Lives in You. It's a good song. I didn't like it at the beginning of this movie. It doesn't even tonally fit the rest of the film. No, it doesn't. This movie is so visibly cheaper than the first one. Like, the the first animated Lion King, like, I actually pulled them up and I watched the beginnings of them, like, side to side for a little bit just to see. Because the the intros to both of them are almost shot for shot, quote-unquote, the same. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Like, you pan over a bunch of animals and you pan up to, like... Rafiki. But my issue with that, and there are a few scenes like that, where it's the same scene as in the first movie. Like, there's the one where Kiara and Kovu are looking up at the stars. And the thing is, whenever they do a scene that could perfectly fit over a scene in the old movie, it only accentuates how terrible the animation style is. And what they should have done is kept away from that completely, because it just made it look like a crappy mirror of it. I feel like... Those types of scenes are holdovers from the original script. If this movie was animated by a full Disney animation staff, I feel like those would have come off as really nice, as really good, like, oh, I remember, like, it's such a beautiful mirror, but because it's so cheaply animated, yeah, it just, it's, it looks so scratchy and bad, and the colors aren't as bright in the second film. Like, from the moment the movie starts, you can see how cheap it is. You want to know something I think I realized about the colors? Now, it's about the animation style being weaker, but I think the reason the colors are like that is because that's how the Timon and Pumbaa cartoon looked. Yes. Well, the the Disney Animation Studio in Sydney is the same studio that animated all the Disney Channel original shows. Oh. And, well, when I realized that, it explained to me why, like, Timon kept on breaking the fourth wall, which I did (laughs) not like. I hated that because they never do anything like that in the first movie. And I was trying to figure it out, and I realized that's just the type of comedy that they'd had Timon and Pumbaa doing for like four years. In their, as we have previously discussed off-air, non-canonical cartoon. The Timon and Pumbaa canon. Yes. Where it's completely its own canon, they hang out with people, they go to the House of Mouse. I vividly remember that so much. Like, it was such a weird moment in my childhood. The ha- Disney's House of Mouse was a weird show in general, though. It was it was a pretty weird show. Going back on topic. So the plot, the plot of The Lion King 2 is pretty simple. Simba's daughter, Kiara, falls in love with edgelord bad boy Scar's adopted son, Kovu. He is such an emo kid, and it is so obviously a phase. Like, it's a phase she's going through, right? No, no, Kovu. I just, I loved it. There's a line later in the film that I wrote down because of how bad it was. Yeah, that Kovu said. Where they're lying down staring at the stars. It's that exact scene. And Kovu, like, looks down and he says, Maybe there's a darkness in me too. That is stupid. But in that same scene, in that awful emo scene, there was one part I really liked. And it told me that this movie could have been good. And it's when he looks up at the stars and he says, do you think Scar's up there? And I'm like, oh, what if Scar's up there? 
this movie has like moments like that where it could have been such a great movie the dream sequence simba's dream sequence where he sees scar and he's grabbing him and stopping him from saving mufasa that was great and i thought it was going to end up being like a parallel because there's that moment on the cliff where he's going after kiara and kovu's there but kovu doesn't like save him and there isn't like that same parallel moment and i think that it could have been stronger if like the movie was sort of about both kovu and simba being haunted by scar and then kiara Saving them both from that darkness. The two most important men in her life are being haunted by this great evil that used to be there. There, there were a lot of a lot of moments in the film that I thought were genuinely good moments, and they're bogged down by a lot of scenes that should have been cut. Actually, yes. Can we take a step back? Because I want to talk okay. about the first time she shows up. The first time Zero shows up. The first time Zero shows up. Because I had always considered Zero and her whole tribe, quote-unquote, Scar's secret family. That was my thought of them. Now, in this movie, they're not secret. They're just outcasts. Simba knows about them. And it occurred to me, like, two days later, that it would have been way stronger if Simba didn't know about them. Because in the first movie, there were no lionesses that weren't standing with Simba. The only reason Scar hadn't already been overthrown is because he had a ton of hyenas on his side. Like, that is heavily implied. And if they had made it so that there was some sort of secret cabal in the second movie, I think that would have made more sense. Because I'm just thinking about how to keep things canon. It's a big deal for me, because the Lion King canon, as, as I've said, is messy. At the same time, there, there's a throwaway line in there where they mention that these lionesses that were on Scar's side, that they live in the Outlands. Yeah, that are apparently just termite mounds. Later in the film, one of them goes like, gosh, the elephant graveyard is so much creepier now that the hyenas have left. Why aren't they living in the elephant graveyard? Why aren't graveyard? they living in the elephant graveyard? Well, there's a lot of underground stuff happening there with all the fire and the lava and stuff. So maybe that's why they don't live there because it's kind of dangerous. The thing about it is that like the Outlands, they say that there's no food, less water, but the hyenas were having an okay time. Like, yeah, they, they were hungry, but they weren't starving. That's true. In the elephant graveyard. They're mostly eating elephant, I bet. Here's the other thing about them being outcasts. There are multiple times when they're just in the Pride Lands. They're like secretly they're being in the Pride Lands, but how secret is a lion among other lions? They're just sort of waltzing around. They're right next to Pride Rock just watching Kovu. It was weird. Yeah. So actually, while we're on that topic... We are jumping around in this movie, by the way. Yeah, I hate Zazu even more in this movie than I hated him in the last movie. I had to go look up his voice. Apparently, his original voice is Rowan Atkinson, who is a really great actor. And this guy is some other actor who I guess is still good, but he's faking an English accent. And it's so bad. Oh, I hated it so much. Well, that's the thing is, is I hated I hated Zazu in the first movie, but he had a purpose in the first movie. He did have a purpose. He was sort of the voice of reason, and he, he was the one who goes and gets Mufasa when shit hits the fan yeah he's he's mufasa's good conscience yeah and he's like you know he's simba's babysitter basically but now timon and pumbaa are kiara's babysitter so what's zazu yeah. do i get like he has one one significant line in the film and it's late in the film when he tells simba that the that the pride lands are under attack here's the thing at the very end of the film there is a scene with timon pumbaa and zazu and timon and pumbaa do something that i can't remember and zazu's like grossed out like pumbaa farts or something okay like zazu does not like whatever happened it like brought a flash to me that another way this movie could have been good if there were just more scenes like that where zazu is just the straight man in the timon and pumbaa setup because in this movie they're running around doing whatever they want they don't really have a purpose either so they're just goofy comic relief and it'd be nice if they were sort of anchored in the analogy that this movie is kind of both Romeo and Juliet as well as the tail end of Hamlet. Yeah. Not Hamlet. Um, the tail end of Macbeth. No, Hamlet, right? Well, because of the war and all that. I don't want to talk about that right now. We can talk about that later. Oh, the tail end of Macbeth. Like, okay. The, yeah, the lead up to the war and then the realization that, you know, Macbeth, in this case, Zira, is like wrong and fallen and everyone betraying her. That's very... Okay, yeah, I, I could see that. All right, once again, that's the end of the movie. We're not at the end of the movie Yeah, yet. we're not there yet. I'll cut all of that out. <laughs> no, you won't. 
I will. You you watch me out of spite. <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa's purpose in this movie is like really comedic, like really hard the entire film. Mm-hmm. And it's because if they weren't there, if you took all the Timon and Pumbaa scenes out of this movie, this movie would be very depressing. Yeah, it'd be like weirdly dark in a way it doesn't need to be. With two exceptions. There are two scenes that Timon and Pumbaa aren't in that aren't like stark, depressing, and super, super sad. Mm-hmm. The first one is your favorite song, Upendi. Oh my god, I hate that song. You know what it is? Forgettable. All of the songs in this movie are forgettable save two. And the first one, and we should talk about this one first, because it's probably, it might be even be your other example. The other scene that is not at all super, super sad and depressing, I'm trying to remember the name of the song. We Are One? Yes. Yes, We Are One. Here's the thing. I have opinions about this song. Okay, actually, first off, I wrote this down because I thought it was really interesting. So Kovu, when he's a kid, has a mohawk. Kopu, Simba's son that doesn't exist anymore, also had a mohawk. And the weird thing is so does his new son, Keon. It seems like mohawks are their go-to lion hair. I just thought that was curious. It looks pretty good on them, though, you have to admit. It does. Look, if you want a lion that doesn't just have a traditional flowing mane. Yeah. They just, they had to recycle it, I guess. Three different characters. One of them isn't even in the same canon. All have mohawks. I think a big part of it is Simba has a very visible mullet kind of thing going on in the first movie. He does have something. Moving on, because I'm not here to talk about hair or to talk about Kopu. I don't really care about Kopu. It's just weird they introduced another son. Anyway, (laughs) so we are one. I like this song. Mm Mm-hmm, I do too. I like... Simba's parts of the song, and to a lesser part, I like Kiara's part of the song. And what I don't like is the weird family, family parts. That's a weird <laughs> part. <laughs> I think there there are so many parts of The Lion King too that try to harken back to that African aesthetic that the music in The Lion King one had. That The Lion King two just doesn't have. The music in The Lion King one was, of course, written by Elton John, who can get away with writing whatever he wants. And I don't really know who wrote the music in The Lion King 2, but they just weren't as good as Elton John. That's just honestly, that's just the truth. Yeah, I feel like most of The Lion King 2's problems just come from like, uh, they didn't, like they didn't have enough money to make the animation good. They didn't have enough money to get Elton John back. But for some reason, they had enough money to get almost the entirety of the original cast back. Yeah, but not Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, not Rowan Atkinson though. I think that their problem comes from sort of being Icarus-like. And they went, and the people who made the first Lion King did not expect it to be a success. And the people who made the second Lion King clearly expected it to be a success. And it was, but that doesn't mean it was good. I think that's where me and you are going to fundamentally disagree. That's, that's fine. We can fundamentally disagree. But I think you have to agree that they were reaching a lot for something that I think was out of their reach. I like I like the Lion King one and a half because it doesn't try to be the Lion King, which I think mm-hmm. is important. And I, I appreciate the Lion King one and a half for what it is. It's a great comedy and it's funny and it, it does what it sets out to do well. I admire the Lion King too for trying to be a genuine sequel to this first movie, this award-winning movie. Like, I think it's so great that they, you know, aimed for the stars. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't come anywhere near being as good as the Lion King one, but there are there's a lot of good in this movie, and I feel like if if they had just put it, if they had just given it a polish and they had taken it, a, they had cut it down a little bit more, taken it to the editing room, this movie could have been so good. Like there's a scene later in the film that I really love. All right, you tell me the scene you love, and I'm gonna come at you with my biggest complaint about this movie. Hit me with fundamentally it. not like style, not just even from the writing room, that I dislike about it. But first, you tell me your thing. There's a scene late in the film that I really love. I don't remember his name, but this is Zira's son, who, for the entire film, is this kind of ancillary, very mangy, boring character. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot done, and... When he does eventually die, I don't know if that's what you're going to bring up. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. When he does eventually die, I it was, it was actually a really powerful scene. I think you might know this about me. I enjoy villains who can't do anything. I enjoy useless villains. And I feel like he didn't really get any love as a useless villain. And he was just kind of like in there in the background. And he wasn't, like his stuff wasn't being thwarted. He was a useless villain, but other people was doing all the stuff.
I just said other people was doing, and I have a recording <laughs> of me saying that. Very good, and I'm okay. gonna make that prominent. Make sure everyone right. knows, okay. make sure everyone hears it. the The line that I love is the line he says as he's like running up. He says, um, "Mother, are you watching?" And like that's such a strong line. It tells you so much about his character and his arc up until that point. Like his entire purpose in the film is to remind Zira, like your actual son kind of sucks. And he tries so hard to be what she wants out of Kovu. And at the end he fails and Zira loses everything. She loses her son. She loses Kovu. She doesn't kill Simba. Yeah, she eventually, because of this, loses her pride and her life. It's a very great scene. And the scene right after that sucks because it's just Simba being sad. Yeah, that's the thing. Simba could have been such a great character. We watched him go from being a useless character who had a lot of, like, spunk to being a king. Like a genuine, I'm going to overthrow somebody and I'm going to make sure everything goes right king. Like a King Arthur type character. And he does that. And then in this movie, he is no longer that person. But even though I dislike that about this movie, let me tell you the thing I hate most about this movie. Yes. Hit me with it. I've been waiting. I'm so excited. There is no, and this is besides our main villain, there is no strong female character. Because of the type of movie that was made, Kiara's real one big motivation is the fact that she has an overprotective dad and is in love with a boy, which makes her kind of a weak character. And she becomes strong at the end, like Simba does. She doesn't have the Mufasa role model, because Nala doesn't do shit. Nala does nothing in this movie. She has like four lines and her only lines are talking to Simba about something Simba said or did. And you know who else isn't in this movie? Sarabi. Sarabi is not in this movie. She is a cool mom. I guess she's dead now. <laughs> I guess she's dead and nobody talks about her ghost. Oh, I almost forgot. Mufasa sets them up. Her dead grandpa, both of their dead grandpa. Totally shipped it from day one. He's adopted, but he sets them up. That is... The creepiest thing that your dead grandpa can do. <laughs> I I kind of wish that they had gotten back J James Earl Jones just so that I could hear him say, no, but they should totally go out, Rafiki. Rafiki, I want you to get those kids to fuck. But he was busy, you know, being an award-winning actor. And he probably won an award from Mufasa. I would. That. I did not look it up, but somebody gave him an award for that, right? Had to have happened. Hell, he's probably, he's probably in the, uh, like, Disney Hall he's of Fame He's gotten awards. Now. I don't think he's gotten an award for any of his voice acting roles. Disney will give big actors who played big roles on their things, they'll give them specific awards, you know? Like, the woman who played Corella DeVille, she got a, like, a Disney human award or whatever they call it. So I bet he got something like that, at least. Oh, something else... And this isn't really a complaint because there were enough sidekicks in this movie. It was just kind of interesting that Kiara doesn't get her own sidekicks. You know, her own companion characters. She's got Timon, Pumbaa, Rafiki, and Zazu. Now those are just Simbas. I, I could not hear you for like the last almost two minutes. Did you hear that I was going on and on about how Mufasa wanted uh, Kiara and Kovu to fuck? Yes, he, he was shipping it from literally day one. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Even Rafiki was like, what? No. But, yeah, that's weird, guy. And the, well, the weird thing about that is Rafiki doesn't go to Simba and say, hey, your dad told me this would be a good idea. He like does it all in secret. <sighs> Rafiki's such an interesting character in both movies. He is, because... He never met Simba after he baptized him or coronated him or whatever. So that's so interesting because Mufasa obviously put a lot of stock in him, but he's just this medicine man. He's a very Merlin character, I think, you know, advisor to the king, but never really. He's not all there. Everyone trusts him, but he has he's like done nothing really to earn that trust. But he's so likable, even to the viewer who knows nothing about him at all. And I sort of offhandedly compared Simba to King Arthur, and I think it really works if you have Rafiki there. You know, you know what my biggest problem with Simba is in this movie? Is that years have passed, at least years have passed, and he still sounds like Matthew Broderick. Okay. Like, he's still Ferris Bueller, and that's so weird. Like, you ha you've had a daughter. I would expect him to sound more like a dad and less like... Like, get a little bit more timber? 
in his voice. Yeah, because I assume that Mufasa also sounded like Ferris Bueller when he was a kid and then grew <laughs> into the James Earl Jones voice. Like, I would have expected them to, you know, get him a deeper, a deeper voiced actor, you know? I mean, they were probably excited to get the last guy back. Matthew Broderick was a good Simba for a coming-of-age story, but for a, like, you're a dad now and you're trying to do the right thing, I don't know, he just, he sounds so young. I guess, because Kiara's a teenager, so at that point he's, because Scar mentioned decades in his song. He says there are decades of denial. So they must have, like, human age. So Simba's, like, 40. Yeah, I would I would expect him to have kind of grown into that, a, 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 I don't want to say a better voice, but a, a more suitable voice, like... Well, that's the thing. Now you're asking for good voice direction in this movie. I used to watch a lot of dubbed anime, and you can hear bad voice direction. Oh, yeah. And this had pretty good voice direction, but you're asking them to sort of go above and beyond. I think they just wanted him to sound like Simba. Yeah. God, it, it's it's such a torn thing in me because I appreciate this movie for trying to like mirror and be as good as the Lion King, but at the same time, the parts of the movie I really dislike are all the holdovers from the original Lion King. I dislike that they have "He Lives in You" at the beginning of this movie because it like has no tonal connection to the rest of the songs. I dislike that Simba has the same voice actor. That's the interesting. Only the only voice actor I think is memorable in this movie, well, the only voice actors that I think are memorable in this movie, are Timon and Pumbaa, Rafiki, and Kovu, oddly enough. Kovu, you think he's memorable? His voice fits his character so perfectly. He, do he does have such, like, a teenage angsty voice. He, both his kid voice actor, with that, like, kind of scratchy... I get in trouble, I got scuffed knees kind of a voice that he has. And he also has like a little bit of timber because he's a lion, you know? I'm not necessarily saying I agree, but I do get it. Kiara's voice actor is good but forgettable, and that's a shame. I think that's true. So I, I'm looking at my notes here. Kiara has a line that I hated. I may not be brave or strong or smart. And then she goes on to say how like she loves Kovu or something. She's a lion? Yes she's a princess she's born to lead she is one of our two main characters i mean she's a lion so she's already strong but we want her to be brave and smart like those are our heroic characteristics that we want her to have and at the very least she has low self-esteem which i don't love it exemplifies how this movie could have been good because the entire beginning of the film kiara goes on and on about how like she's not She's not just a princess. She wants to be more, you know? She doesn't feel like she should be profiled and treated because of what her parents are. There's a lot of that in this movie, of what it means to live under somebody's legacy. But it's not really all that well... Explored. Explored, yeah. It's not... At the end, at the end of the movie, those particular plot lines don't really get finished. It's like Simba doesn't really learn not to be Mufasa, and Kovu, Kovu gets out of under the shadow of Scar somewhat, but he does live his life with a big old scar on his face that looks exactly like his dad's. Uh, oddly enough, the the original Lion King is a movie in two acts because you have Act One, which is the entire setup to Mufasa's death, and then you have Act Two, which is Simba's return to the pride lands i think you could say it's three acts if you call his gildencranson rosenstein if i'm pronouncing that right the that interlude yeah the like timon and pumbaa adolescent interlude before nala shows up you could call that its own act i i wouldn't though i would call it an interlude just because it's so short like, and it's a good break between those two very heavy halves of the movie, but it's not long enough. The Lion King 2 is a movie in three acts because you have Kiara and Kovu's childhood, you have Kovu's return to the Pride Lands and subsequent banishment, and then you have Kovu's growth and second return. And if I could take a break for a moment. Yeah, no problem. Put a pin in this. I need to talk about that banishment. <laughs> Because hot damn. I, I don't know if this is a good hot damn or a bad hot it's damn. It's a bad hot damn, Andy. Really? You didn't like it? Okay. Okay. We're going to work up to it. So, first issue. <laughs> you mean suspense. Nala, it's implied by the by how she's drawn, does not agree with this banishment. And she doesn't say shit. She does support Simba's choice, though, when she stops Kiara from interfering. Yes, but so do like 40 other lions, and that's a little weird. That is a little weird. But here's my issue with his banishment. The song that kept on popping into my head, this terrible, 
catchy song. He is not one of us. One of the stronger songs in the movie. Here's the thing about this song. Okay, so they started off, prey animals are hanging around Pride Rock. Because it seems like in the first movie, the only time the animals as a group always seem to act like animals, except during that very first scene. And even then, they're pretty much acting like animals. And this is important to the plot because it's animals acting like animals that kills Mufasa. And, you know, it's got, uh, there's that scene where Nala is chasing Pumbaa. And they're both acting like how their realistic counterparts would. Like, Nala's chasing, chasing down a pig and the pig is trying to get away. Like, that's all that's happening. And that stuff doesn't happen as much in this movie. Instead, we have the giraffes and zebras singing to Kovu about how he's terrible and it is such a bad scene and the thing is are you gonna argue no i was just gonna suggest a way to make it better but you finish and then i'll make a suggestion and see how you like it i was actually going to make a suggestion so i don't know who they got to sing this song but i don't like the singers and that's fine because sometimes you just don't like a singer but you know they have the whole deception disgrace line that could easily be sung by the lionesses and if Simba said the line, evil is plain as a scar in his face, that would be so powerful in a way that it's not powerful delivered by Elephant. If Kiara said the line, like, quietly or, like, with her head turned, he is not one of us, that could have been so good. It could have been such a strong scene. God, you literally hit my advice, like, Right on the head. That is exactly what I was going to suggest. Awesome. Because we're on the exact same wavelength because that was that was a huge problem for me, the way that scene was. Other started. than the presentation, it is such a good song. It could be a good song. And yeah, the way it's the way it's done, it's just I mean, I think about it and I think about like the zebras. And it's like I don't care about the zebras. I don't know these zebras. And also they have like a a, a I forget what those animals are called. They're like zebras, but they're also deer singing. Oh, copy. Oh, I was at when I at, when I was in Arizona. I went to a place called Out of Africa, and they had those. But I can't remember what they are. I think they're some kind of antelope. I would have enjoyed it if the if the prey animals provided like the beginning noises of the song. You know, with the elephants stomping, very much in the tone of "I just can't wait to be king" in the first film, where the prey animals provide the music while the lions are singing. And I was actually, I was actually going to use that as sort of a mirror of how it could be done well, because "I just can't wait to be king" takes place at the waterhole, where in real life all these animals hang out and just chill. I feel like in real life the animals are not going to hang out at the lion's den when they don't have to. But yeah, like, oh my god, I'm just thinking about how that could be such a good scene if Kiara was the one to say he is not one of us god there there are a lot of there are a lot of moments and I've been saying this this entire time there are a lot of moments where the film kind of almost makes it to being good and then drops the ball in some way there's a very strong reoccurring symbol used in the film where Kiara and Kovu will would stare at their reflections and only see half of their reflection. That is such a strong symbol. There was also the moment, which was really powerful, a really powerful bit of this scene. I think it's the same scene where Kovu's looking at the water on his way out of the Pride Lands and he sees Scar. That's good. I, lo- I love that. That scene specifically where Kovu's staring at his reflection and sees Scar's face is, is, a, is another great callback to the scene at the beginning of Act 2 in The Lion King where Rafiki blurs the water and Simba mm-hmm. sees Mufasa. Yeah, and it's actually, that's one of the only callbacks in this movie that I didn't, like, hate. It's done tastefully. Yeah, it didn't inherently do it the exact same way. It, it put its own spin on it. And where The Lion King is supposed to be a story of what it means to have responsibility, the other side of the coin is what it means to live beyond a legacy. And, that, and The Lion King 2 tries really hard to tackle that theme, and it fumbles and it fails, and it drops the ball, but I still really like it. Mostly because the one plot line in the entire film that this movie manages to not gracefully fuck up is the love story between Kovu and Kiara. Yeah, I would say that works pretty well, except I really hate the scene. Oh gosh, what's that song's name? Which one? The the love song. Upendi? Upendi? Upendi. Yeah. Yeah, stop it. Please no. <laughs> I I love it so much. <laughs> it's a okay, Andy, it's a bad song, but more importantly, it's not a very strong scene. No. It's stuff that doesn't seem to be real. So that scene does the whole I just can't wait to be king thing bad. Yeah, it does. It does. Cause in I Just Can't Wait to Be King, it's clear like what 
is happening and what isn't happening, like what's part of Simba's just imagination and idealism. And in Upendi, it's kind of not. And also, there's a baboon singing at these two lovers and it's like weird i feel like the presentation of the scene should have taken a little hint from how how a similar scene was done in the little mermaid where you have ariel staring at eric and then sebastian singing kind of at them from a mm. distance oh that would have been good if, if, if the scene was kiara and kobu having fun and having a good time just being together alone away from the politics of their lives and Rafiki following them and singing this great upbeat love song, it would have been much stronger. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess we'll never know. We're talking we're talking about making this film better. Like we're the guys who can like uh like we're the guys who recut uh Star Wars episode three. But that's the thing is I think this film isn't great, but it's good enough that I want I want to make it better. Like most of most of the films that we're gonna get to are either gonna be turgid bullshit or things that I would easily just discard. They're not worth salvaging, but I think this one is because it's it's a good follow-up. It was just handled poorly. Yeah. Well, uh <laughs> I got a yes. I got a yes from you. I think there there are there are places where there are clearly seeds of a good movie. But I don't know I don't know which direction I would like it to go. For instance, they got the Kovu Kiara love stuff pretty well done. Like they did the whole Romeo and Juliet thing and it was pretty good. And here's the thing, I still didn't like that that much. I mean if you don't if you don't want, you know, a lovey dovey story between two lines, then you don't want Andy. it. I think Andy, 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 Andy. Did I just put words in your mouth? Ah, uh, I think that's exactly what you did. Did Do they you have taste good? any idea how much love comedy anime I watch? Okay, but that's different. It's not that much, but oh my god, what if it was just a love comedy? What if they cut no, out the drama? No, no, okay, no, no, you're no, right. No. That wouldn't make I, any sense. If if I if I were given if I could go back in time and be given the director's chair for this film, I would I wouldn't focus on Simba at all because he's he's a good ancillary. I, honestly, I would kind of make him a bit of a villain or an antagonist to their love. He could be he could be an antagonist and that would work. I think part of a I think part of the problem with the movie is hey, this is a good this is a good uh, actually a good point on my not a lot of great female characters in this movie. Kiara is used to get at Simba. Now even though Kovu almost immediately decides not to attack Simba, the whole plan was to get at Simba. There's just not a lot going on with her. Yeah, I wish we got more of an insight into her thought process because she makes a lot of interesting decisions over the course of the film and you never really get a feel as to why. Like, her dad talks to her about how, like, like you must never go to the Outlands. People there suck. And the moment she meets Kovu, this, like, lion cub she's never seen before and her being the princess you would think she would know who all of them are she just immediately decides to trust this guy and to bully this guy and to yeah. just have a good time with this guy why would she do that like what what was her thought process behind just accepting this alien kid into the fold okay so here's what i would need to like this movie i think i would need more i would need more insight into kiara what i would definitely want is more scar and i d i think a lot of people would dislike that but i think i think it would be good if we were shown how scar affected the world around him because that's what everybody's talking about we don't actually see it like we don't actually see people's quote unquote i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it right now scars huh. uh because of this um and third i would need them and it wasn't there for a long time but i hated it while it was i would need them to drop the plot that kovu does not know what fun is or how to have it yes i didn't need that either yeah that was bad but i guess i mean that's it's like talking down to kids like oh this he hasn't done anything fun but like kids know when somebody's having fun and when they're not you know i, I think that scene is another case of them dropping the ball where kovu's idea of having fun is like play fighting and kiara's idea of having fun is playing tag and those are two, as somebody who used to do both of those things as a kid, those are two very different pastimes. Yeah, and they can both be fun. But at the same time, yeah, like, even though I spent a good amount of, like, when I was a kid fighting with my cousins, I knew what tag was. I just didn't play it. I have, there's a weird moment. There's, like, a huge plot hole in this film that really oh, bothers is there, me. Is there one good plot hole? <laughs> That bothers me. That's a that's the qualifier. There's only one plot hole in this film that bothers <laughs> okay. me. Okay. No, there's only one plot hole in the film about Scar's secret family that everybody knows about. 
Okay, no, keep going. The part of the plot hole in this film that bothers me is that so the, this entire film. I'm going to talk about this first, actually. So after mm-hmm. Kovu betrays Simba, there's this entire plot, like, leading action of Simba's pride and Zira's pride going to war. Mm-hmm. And A, that scene is unimpressive because there aren't enough lions to make it impressive. Yeah, there are, like, four lions on each side. And sometimes, sometimes Zira's pride is really big and sometimes it's not, depending on, like, what the animators were doing that day, I guess. There is a there is a moment in that in that scene where the little girl lion who's in this movie for no reason at all really she's she's like a foil to the one who died but he didn't need a foil he had kovu yeah exactly she sees nala and calls her by name and then nala refers to her by name as well like we know each other oh my god and do you know what i looked up that scene that's here's the thing that irked me so much because she would have been a kid when she was outcast yeah and that was weird and the second thing that was weird is what nala called her was not her name it was an older thrown out version of her name that they act that they like i guess accidentally left in there yeah it was so it was it was wacky tobacky there was no reason <laughs> it, it makes me realize like god this movie's so cheap like they they changed the script and they didn't have enough time to like control f change the rest of the name yeah. i guess they just they tripped up so bad there and i think there is a reason for her in this movie actually now that you mention it the only reason her character really has to be there is for her to be the the one who first says i don't want to fight anymore exactly because there are no other lionesses that we ever learn about besides Zira. So we do need somebody in the pride who's willing to turn on her. But the reason that that doesn't work as well as it should is because A, the wars, the scale of the quote-unquote war is not impressive, and B, you don't really get to feel the the violence of it as much as I would want to. Like, it's I don't want it to, you know, be like lions tearing into each other, but like an example of a movie that did this pretty well is Pokemon the first movie, where you get a real Oh my god, feel are for you how okay? Heavy. All right, all right, okay, yeah, fine. We're bringing up Pokemon the first movie. That's okay. It, I just want to bring up the scene where the Pokemon are fighting. You get a feel for how fucking terrible that fight is and how nobody really wants to be doing it in the lion king 2 you just get to see some lions slap around other lions but you don't get the feel that people are getting tired of the fighting do a callback to a movie that would make sense to call back to uh the lion king there (laughs) there is the there's i've always loved that first scene where the lions and the hyenas charge each other and it's a kid's movie so there's no like ripping of necks you know but they're at each other and you feel the violence like you see a hyena get bit into and you think that would hurt and there's a scene (laughs) i'm sorry that just made me think of the scene with rafiki oh my (laughs) god that's one of my favorite scenes in that movie where he just goes into a complete Jackie Chan pose. Yeah, we think he we think he's a wizard, but it turns out he's a monk. And he's like level twelve. How is it okay for you to call back to like any form of D D, but if I call back to Pokemon the first movie, I'm the bad guy. How do you not see how that's different? <laughs> and there's also there but there is the final the final battle uh, with Scar versus Simba. And that would be something that I would have been okay for them to borrow from for the second movie, because Simba has already been beat, basically by this point he's been torn up by a bunch of hyenas and he is not having fun and scar doesn't want to fight simba because simba's like twice his size and they do the fight and it works the way it does because scar's conniving because simba's heroic and stuff you know but they they both clearly don't want to and that has one of the best callbacks in movie history run run away and never return damn what I would have wanted from The Lion King 2 that I didn't get, that I want every time I watch the movie, is I want Kiara to beat down Zira so hard. I just, I want them to fight and I want her to just kick butt. And it never happens. And I get increasingly irritated. They come in and stop the fight, but they do it completely nonviolently, which is fine in a way. And, but in another way, it's not fulfilling. It doesn't feel satisfying. I have such a complex relationship with this movie because I, I like it because I can see how it could have been like the best Disney sequel ever. It could have been that. I dislike this movie because I can see where it's good and it just doesn't measure up to itself. We're both in the same place in this movie. It's just where where the thing that makes me like it is the thing that makes you dislike it. And that's kind of 
personality showing. We're on uh, we're on like either sides of a river that's blocked up by sticks for some reason that nobody ever talks about. Yeah, that that was weird. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go back to a really early scene that we should have commented on. Yeah, go for it. The plan was to save Kiara from the fire that they set. Here are my multiple problems with this. <laughs> my first problem is an animation problem. Yeah. The fire in the first movie was so good. It's so nice. Yeah, I think that they developed a special way to animate it so that it would light up the scene correctly. That is strong fire. In the second movie, it's not good. Which in my mind means that the animators, knowing they would not be able to do this, should have kept away from fire. Fire and water are very expensive. Well, I knew I, I knew fire was. The water thing surprises me. So, so they're both very expensive for similar reasons in that both of them move a lot even when they're not quote-unquote moving. And they both affect the light around them. So yeah, because yeah, water, water dissipates light, fire creates light. And both this movie has two scenes that rely heavily on both fire and water, and they're both the worst-looking scenes in the movie. I didn't think about the water one, but you could see, but the fire one, definitely. The fire one, definitely. The dam breaking, um, which we were just talking about, it looks so bad. It looks so bad. I'd have to, I'd have to go back, but I don't want to. Yeah, there's, there's no, unfortunately, there's no, there's no scene in the Lion King that use that utilizes like water the same way as like a plot point that I can think of. No, the only real scene with water is uh, when we go to Timon and Pumbaa's oasis. Oh shit, they got the, there's a diving scene, so that must have good water. Yeah, no, that movie, yeah, Simba, I was actually just gonna say, when Simba and Nala are having fun and, you know, going swimming, the water in that scene, like, as short as that scene is, looks amazing. That entire, all the scenes with that song, with Can You Feel Love Tonight, are beautiful. Those are just, that's just genuine art, man. (laughs) That's another thing. I want to talk about the callbacks in The Lion King 2 to The Lion King 1 that I thought were good in a bit. But yeah, what you were saying? Okay, uh, I want to finish up my fire rant. So that's why it was a bad idea from an animation standpoint. Here's why it's a bad idea from a story standpoint. Zira knows that Kovu is not immune to fire, right? Yeah. <laughs> like... No, but, but, but he was trained for this. He oh, he that... was trained. He's he a firefighter, that, I that guess. That mysterious training that they refer By to. By the way... They wear masks, firefighters. <laughs> like there's there's a moment in that same scene when Kovu's carrying Kira where he he looks around at the fire and he from like an animation standpoint they made him look like incredibly scared. Like I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. This was a bad move. Like he wasn't told that part of the plan. I I hated that scene for that reason because Zero's supposed to be so conniving, but that's so short-sighted. You know what they should have done? What's that? They should have had Kovu save Kiara from a stampede. Oh my god, that would have been great! Oh, that would have been so powerful. Simba would have to let him in the Pride Lands. And that also would have kind of, it would have made the dream sequence make a lot more sense as well. Yeah, I would have loved that. Except the dream sequence happens after he lets Kovu in, doesn't it? Yeah, but that would have still... It would have made more sense. It would have made more sense. Because that would have been him going back over the events of the day, too. Which is what dreams are. Oh, that's so good. I love that, actually. That would have been great. And and that's constantly things that I'm thinking about every time I watch this movie. And that could have been... That could have been a callback that really works. Because if she's really, like, Scar's secret lover, then... Zero would know about that, even though he and the hyenas were the only ones who really knew what happened. While we're on the topic of good callbacks, uh-huh. I'm trying to find the name of the song. I don't, I don't, I didn't write it down, unfortunately. When Kiara goes to find Kovu, she's singing a song that he then kind okay. of fills songs in. Okay, Simba's Pride. <laughs> uh, Love will find a way. I remember the song. I just didn't remember the name. But like, yeah, like there's, there's a Kiara is is singing about how she wishes he didn't have to leave and she went and she goes out to look for him and then at one point in the song they're singing a duet alone and then together i do love duets alone and that that scene is such a good callback to can you feel the love tonight oh oh yeah because it's it's subtle enough that you don't think about can you feel the love tonight immediately but when you make the connection it just, it makes their relationship so much more like, 
like again fault kind of following in the footsteps of her dad even though she doesn't really know that yet my favorite thing and my biggest problem with this movie okay here it comes here it comes here we go it is a good love story on what it means to live under legacy and prejudice and all the things that come with that and that is such a heavy like subject to try and pick up and they can't do it but there are so many times when you watch the movie and and they they get a little bit of like they get a little bit of lift and those are the best parts and i can't i can't like not think about them every time i watch this movie that's interesting it's it honestly i came here i i started the call basically ready for an argument <laughs> about how much this movie sucks and it's it's it genuinely is interesting to hear what you think of it as somebody who's looking at it from how good it could be because it could have been i genuinely believe this could have been the best like the best disney sequel ever because most of them suck including this one unfortunately although once again i did like lion king one and a half apparently 101 dalmatians 2 was critically acclaimed what yeah that's so weird to me because it's such a forgettable movie most importantly no not most importantly i don't know why i said that semi-importantly even though aladdin 2 was not a good movie and we will talk about aladdin 2 at some point yeah they brought back the original villain jafar which made it strong in its own way because usually you kill the villain at the end of a disney movie but he was able to come back and still be a villain so here's my question are we done with our opinions about this movie i think i have i have one more thing that i want to talk about i think and right. then we can be done hit me with it uh, I think actually we're... i have t i have two things one i don't want to talk about because i know you're going to heavily <laughs> disagree with it and okay. i don't want to get into it but the other i do want to talk about i absolutely i absolutely need to hear the one you don't want to talk about because i think we should end it on an argument i will end it on that one then so the pacing in the third act of this film is really shitty like the war happens too fast and then kovu and kiara get back way faster than it took them to run away but some of my favorite scenes in the movie are in that act it was really jarring when the war happened that quickly i'll say that okay your favorite scenes are in that act so that's a love song scene yes and what when they're standing up to their parents or i'm trying to think of what else happened no, no, just kind of, I just liked the way the movie, I liked the way the movie ended. I genuinely did. You know, the lead up of Simba and everyone kind of marching out and the two lions being, the two lion prides kind of just finally being together and being happy. I, I genuinely thought it was a heartwarming ending. My opinion on that is it didn't, they didn't really like come together more than one absorbed the other because suddenly they didn't have a leader anymore. As much as I like the ending, yeah, it falls apart because of how weirdly fast everything happens in the third act. Like, they should have cut out a little bit of, of the second and first acts, made them a little bit shorter so that they could spend more time on the war and on its resolution. Yeah, I agree with you, but I also think I did not like Zira's death. It's very cheap. It's very cheap. It just, this, the exact same death just happened. Her son died in the exact same way. There's a way you could there's a way you could make that kind of ironically echo, but they didn't try at all. They just kind of got rid of her. But the thing that I really don't like about it is so Kiara tries to save her, which is a defining moment for Kiara. And Zira like slashes at her instead of grabbing her. Zira is supposed to be conniving as hell. I think that her character would have grabbed anything to be alive. She would have wanted revenge. But now that she kind of doesn't have her revenge, she's just gonna die. That was a very weak scene to me. It wasn't true to what they had told me about her character. The more interesting resolution to her death would have been kind of another another echo, I think, back to The Lion King, where you have her fighting Kira, and Kira just kind of throws her off the ledge, and she drowns, and boom. That would have been stronger, because Kira, Kira would have made a very hard decision, something she doesn't do enough of in this movie. But yeah, that was just, that was kind of the last thing I really had on this film, that I just, I thought the pacing in Act 3 was super weird. The, the big thing, my biggest thing that I like about this movie, my biggest opinion. Okay, okay, all right, okay. Limber up for this one. Oh, all right. Oh, oh. Yeah, we're getting, getting, getting good, getting done. All right, let's do this. I think that the love story in The Lion King 2 is a more rounded love story than most of the Disney princess movies. 
You know, I could see that. With some exceptions... Yeah, no, there are definitely exceptions. Well, here's the thing. Especially because, you know, we were talking about the movies that came out at the same time. In Pocahontas and in The Little Mermaid, they don't even, like, have a date. Well, maybe they kind of do in Pocahontas. They spend some time together. Aladdin, what I... One of the things I actually like about Aladdin is that they have a date. They have a couple dates. And it's not really realistic to how dates happen because they're flying on a carpet and going around the world but you know it's falling in love type junk if kiara would have been given a little bit more screen time and a little bit more character i think i would have i would have no problem just coming out and being like this is one of the best love stories that disney's ever done but unfortunately she's very flat she yeah she is very flat she you reminded me in the beginning of the movie she says like she doesn't know who she is yet and by the end of the movie it kind of still seems like she doesn't know who she is yet like all that's happened is that she's found a guy which is not anybody's defining trait but one of the things that i like about the love story is it's kovu's love story too like like his his life is given weight and credence and with the exception of a couple of recent Disney films, like Tangled, the male love interest in a lot of these Disney princess movies isn't given a reason for existence other than, I'm here to be pretty and marry this girl. I am genuinely shocked that you didn't like Aladdin. I have, I don't remember Aladdin, dude, honestly. I was so young when I watched that movie. I mean, you could say that Jasmine doesn't have a lot of stuff going on, but I honestly think she's one of the better fleshed out Disney princesses at that time. I think a lot of my dislike for Aladdin comes from how old I was when I watched it and those residual memories. I think I'll be pleasantly surprised when I watch it again. I think you might be right. And also, of course, like you you're talking about how great Robin Williams is. I love I Robin mean, he's Williams. just fantastic in that movie. What I was going to say was I did not like and I am going to disagree with you not as strongly as you thought I might. I did not like how much focus there was on Kovu. When at the opening, it sort of seemed like it was going to be a movie about Kiara. You know, and like I said, I had like, I had like sweatpants with Kovu on them. Kovu was the one marketed. Kovu was the one who was a big deal. But Kiara is Simba's daughter and she should be important. And she's kind of not. Okay, so I want to talk about my true thing that I hate about this movie. Like there is, if there's one thing about this movie that's going to make me go on a little bit of a rant, it's I fucking hate the title card. Simba's Pride? I don't get why this movie is called The Lion King 2 Simba's Pride. Simba's pride isn't really ever the focus of the film. Simba doesn't really ever matter. And then um, they do this thing when the movie starts. This is the only rant I'm going to go on about this fucking movie. They do this thing when the movie starts where they do what The Lion King 1 did, where it just hard cuts to The Lion King 2. And then Simba's pride like slides in and it looks really shitty. And then at the very end of the movie, instead of hard cutting to The Lion King 2, the way that The Lion King did in the first movie, it just hard cuts to the end. And I really hate that for some... I don't know why I hate that. Maybe it's because it was one more thing they could have done to just, you know make it a little bit more like The Lion King, which is a great movie. And instead they go with the end. Like, why? What What about this movie makes it the end? Absolutely nothing. Nobody even dies in this movie. Nobody important. Yeah, like wh one of the reasons The Lion King ends with the title card that it starts with is because the ending of the movie is the circle of life. Well, I'll say this. I think the name Simba's Pride was chosen because it's specifically for people who were fans of The Lion King and wanted to see more of Simba. If you'd have called it The Lion King 2, people would have assumed it would have been about Simba. Yeah, actually, the fact that it has a title card is a little weird. The third li uh, Lion King 1 and a half doesn't have a title card, I don't think. No, it doesn't. It's just The Lion King 1 and a half. Yeah, they don't call it, like, Timon and Pumbaa's adventure. Yeah, like, it's th that's the only thing in my notes that really irked me about this movie. There are a lot of things that I dislike and a lot of things that I like, but it, that decision, it just sucks. Yeah, that, that's, it's not a strong decision. What is your, what would, what would be your, like, final rating of this movie? I think that this is a movie that people should definitely watch. Really? If only because if you want more Lion King, and a lot of people do, this is this is pretty good. Oh my gosh, I strongly disagree. This movie gets a solid, like, maybe 3 out of 10 for me. I don't like numbers. You know how the assholes 
They're all talking about how Ghostbusters ruined their childhood. <laughs> I'm not going to say that this movie ruined my childhood, because as a kid, I liked it, because I wasn't very discerning. But this movie is a continuation of a fantastic movie that drops the ball so hard that I don't think it's worth watching, ever. <laughs> so, on on the other hand, if, if people want another reason to, to watch this movie, though... Kovu is really hot for a lot. Oh my god. Oh, we could have talked the whole time about how Kovu's hotter than uh, Kiara, but we didn't. Yeah, it's odd that Kiara, like, they, they know how to make hot lines. Like, Nala was in the first movie. Nala was hot. Uh, and I say that as somebody who is not sexually attracted to lions. I mean, I'm not either. <laughs> I didn't mean to imply that you were, but it sort of sounded like that when I said it. Alright, so, I think on that note, I have been your co-host... Andy, apparently lover of lions. And I have been your host. Uh, that's where I'm taking that title. <laughs> Tony, pretty much the stick in the mud in this episode. All right, so join us next time for Pocahontas 2, Journey to a New World. The only reason I'm waiting is so that we can make a decision of what movie we should watch next. Because we should do that. Da 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 da. In Upendi, where the passion fruit grows sweet. And it's so I divine. Hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs>